we're going to look at two categories. One category is your debt is stopping you from investing in property. Mm. So you need to pay off your debt or do something because if it's stopping you. Yes. But if it's not stopping you from investing in property, we're talking something completely different. I'm George Markoski and welcome to the Positive Property Show. Our mission is to empower 10,000 people to create financial freedom through property using the Markoski method. Join us. Hello, Freedom Fighters. Hello, Freedom Fighters. I'm really yeah. tiny tonight. <laughs> me, me, me. You know, it's the honey I shrunk the wife. Me, me. I was all mini. <laughs> Hi, Freedom Fighters. How is everyone doing tonight? Hey, guys, just remember, welcome, please, welcome. please type in hashtag live if you're watching live. And for those who are watching the replay, type in hashtag replay because I've keep my eye on you. Now, we've got a great session. What we're going to talk about tonight is one. Should I invest in property or pay off debt? We're getting this question in over and over again. I thought I'd finally answer it. Um, I'm your host, Christina Markoski, and this is George Markoski. We're coming to you live from the Australian Property Chat, and we're going to be talking about should you pay off debt versus investing and what the difference is. Yes, but also we're going to be talking about Australia opening up international borders and what that's going to mean for you and your investing. And another thing I'm going to be talking about is what the hell is the RBA doing at the moment? And they've been secretly doing something, and I need to show you this. You're going to be shocked. And if we've got time, I'm going to talk about where all the millennials are going and why this matters to you. Okay, interesting. Where are they going? They can't go anywhere because of COVID. No, well, things are changing at the moment, and I'm just it's, it's very interesting, and that's why I want to talk about it. Okay. Now, we also had a question on Facebook. I'm going to see if I can find it. Um, you want to start talking about should I invest in property while I find this, please, Christina? Yeah, should you invest in property or pay off debt first? This is a question I always get asked because sometimes people are looking at investing, but they might have a car loan, they might have a credit card, they might have a few different pieces of bad debt uh, actually stopping them from getting started. Yes, so look. Look, generally, if you've got a house, an idea of what you can do is you can look at things like debt consolidation. Yes, so um, that's great. What I was going to say is there's two, we're going to look at two categories. One category is your debt is stopping you from investing in property. Mm. So you need to pay off your debt or do something because if it's stopping you. Yes. But if it's not stopping you from investing in property, we're talking something completely different. Yeah, that's a good point. A lot of people are confused about what actual bad debt and good debt are and don't know the difference. Yes, yes. And look, if you look at that, um, what I'd like to do when you talk about good debt and bad debt is let's talk about Robert Kiyosaki. I was actually um, talking to Robert Kiyosaki a couple of days ago recently and he taught me something amazing. Mm, which I'm going, to share with people. I'm going to share a little insight because the funny thing is every time I talk to Robert Kiyosaki, there's some new gold that comes out. Nice. He's a very smart man, probably the leading authority on wealth creation in the world. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I'm probably the leading authority in Australia, but he's the leading authority in the world, definitely. Well, look, he wrote the book on Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and Mm -hmm. that book alone talks a lot about understanding, you know, good debt and bad debt. Yes, and look, totally. And the thing is, at the moment... We're in very low interest rates and high inflation. And because of that, 
inflation is going to eat away your debt. So this is the one time you don't really, when you've got low inflation, your debt is really bad or you've got high interest rates, your debt's bad. When you've got high inflation, low interest rates, debt is actually a good thing, especially if you get the right debt. The right debt is actually excellent. And the way the wealthy investors know how to use debt, see, the, the struggling investors and the average investors, the poor investors, what they do, or they're not investors either, the poor people, the struggling people that struggle, they are scared of debt. Mm, yeah, right. and that's coming from a very old school mentality and it's also got a lot to do with their relationship with money and having a yes. poverty scarcity mentality. But this is the deal. My head's looking, looking a bit big, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> You're really zoomed in. This is the deal. This is the deal. Um, what the See, let's talk about the wealthy investors and the struggling investors. Let's compare the two and talk about debt. See, the struggling investors, they're not afraid to get debt to go on a holiday, get a TV, or get a car. But, and and a TV, a holiday, or a car is actually a liability, not an asset. And you're crazy if you spend money on that. But when it comes to investing, they're scared of getting in debt to buy a house, which is good debt. And for those of you who know a little bit more on what a liability is, George, can you explain what's a liability? Okay, a liability is something that costs you money and doesn't benefit you financially. So I'll give you an example of liability. Mm -hmm. Um, A holiday, a car, pizza, you know, beers, um, spending money on... on Pizza is also a liability to your waistline. (laughs) Yes, but what I'm saying is that's what the, um, the, the, the struggling investors, the struggling people, what they put their money in, right? What the wealthy investors do, they invest in education. They invest in a gym membership. They invest in um, bettering themselves in books. They invest in assets like property. Yeah. Right? So the funny thing is wealthy investors, they're, they're scared of borrowing money to go on a holiday or get a fancy car. They're not going to do that. They're going to pay for that in cash if they can afford it. If they can't afford it, they're not going to get it. But they're not scared of buying a property because that's going to get, make you money. But the funny thing is, the the struggling investors, the struggling people, they actually are happy to get a loan to go on a holiday or something, or get a credit card and buy all these clothes and stereos and a big TV. But they're not willing to invest in property, which is crazy, because mm-hmm. it's the opposite. Yeah, absolutely. And so, the fact of it is, with the property market at the moment is moving at a really fast pace. I mean, we were clients that are literally buying a property and making 100 grand overnight. Yeah, like you blink and bang, the market's shifted again. It's crazy. You know, I've got I've got so many members from two years ago and they bought a house for 400 and now it's worth 700. Like it's nearly doubled already. That's amazing. It's crazy. And we've just touched the surface. So personally, I wouldn't, you know, the thing, the thing is, you know, there's an old saying, if you look after pennies, the pounds take care of themselves. Yeah, absolutely. We've just got a comment here. A home loan is a great debt to have, especially if it's an investment property with positive cash flow. So that's yes. what I would call an asset. And the way I like to define assets are the gifts that keep giving. So they keep giving and they keep going up in value and they keep giving back to you. Yes, Absolutely, absolutely. 
So I, I think, one, try not to get into too much debt, for one, until you deserve it. What you should be doing is putting your money into assets and getting the assets doing the heavy lifting. But, George, most people would consider debt even getting into good assets. So when you're saying don't get yourself into debt, you're saying bad debt, right? Bad debt. Yeah, bad debt. Don't get into bad debt. Good debt is good, especially yeah. at the moment because it's dirt cheap. And when I tell you about what's happening at the RBA, you're going to understand even clearer. But right. what you mentioned before, Christina, which is really smart, and the way to do it is consolidating debt and going to the lowest common denominator of interest can save you so much money. We, yeah, actually, absolutely. we actually had a couple from Melbourne that joined that program about eight months ago. Remember, we consolidated their debt and we saved them over 50000 a year. Oh, yeah. It's a game changer. Game changer. Definitely. Game changer. Having that strategy can help you not only get out of bad debt but also get started with getting into assets, gifts that keep giving and getting ahead in life. That's the difference. Yeah. And, and the, the fact of it is, I mean, imagine saving 50000 a year, what you can do with $1,000 a week. Yeah, that's huge. Saving 1000 a week is actually better than making 1000 a week. How so? Can you explain? Because you don't pay tax on it. Mm. You already paid the tax. So mm. when you save 1000 it's like making 1600 Yeah, yeah. So it's Definitely. very, very different. Investment properties are a good debt to have. Tenant and taxman pay it off. Yeah, if you're using the right strategy. That's right, absolutely. So I think the jury's out. At the end of the day, I think at the end of the day, oh, you're called George Mikoski as well. <laughs> <laughs> Just riding on your coattails, George. <laughs> Get rid of our name. I'm sorry, guys. I have literally been back-to-back in meetings all day and I literally just finished a meeting and jumped on this Facebook Live. So let me change my name here. How do we get rid of the name anyway? I don't really want the name on there. I am now Christina. Ah, here we go. I have been promoted. I'm no longer a clone. We're gone now. (laughs) I'm my own person now. Yay! (laughs) Yeah, so um, that's what it's all about. So I really, I've always been against debt, old school way. But at the moment, what I think is... Good debt is good debt, bad debt. What about the people that have the mentality of, oh, I have to pay off my home loan and then I'm going to invest? So they want to actually have zero mortgage. Yeah. Zero dollars owing. Yeah. Okay. So when people say that, what they're saying is, I've got no idea about investing. I'm, and I'm a, you know, a struggling investor because if you want to try to pay off your home loan on your own, that's normally 25, 30 years. You get more, you get, you know, you're, you're really chained yourself to that mortgage. And that's an old way of thinking. So work smarter, not harder. Paying off your home loan is quite frankly the stupidest thing you can do. I've Pretty said bomb. it. No, look, I've said it. It's the stupidest thing you can do. Right? And I seriously, what you need to do if you want to pay off your home loan, get rid of that urge and then wake up, slap yourself with a wet fish and then call one of our coaches so we can teach you why it's bad. Because the deal is inflation's going to eat away your loan, right? That's right. Paying, you know, 
people that want to pay off their home loan or their or their investment properties don't understand how money works, and it's not your fault. And well, the, you're the missing out on a massive opportunity by keeping all that money quarantined in just the one house. You're missing out on the investment opportunity and the ROI you could be getting if you leveraged that. Well, well, it's a bit like this. I mean, you know, let's say, well, it's a bit like this. Let's say you've got a, a dig, a big hole. It's going to take you 25 years to dig it. Yeah. Right? That's paying for home loan. And you're saying, until I finish digging, I'm going to, I'm going to dig twice as hard. I'm going to be digging 16 hours a day. And I'm going to work. and I'm not going to go out for dinner. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to keep digging until I dig this hole and I'm completely free, right? One, like you're going to break your back. Again. You're going to break your back and you're going to kill yourself for one. Two, what, what's going to happen is the, that's, that's, the, that's the struggle investor. You know what the wealthy Western does? What does the wealthy investor do? The wealthy investor, what he does is go, okay, I'm not going to be able to dig it myself. Let's face it, right? Yeah. So I'm going to get help. Mm-hmm. So this is what I'm going to do. One, I'm going to ask ScoMo to give me a hand. About time. Right? Now, so I'm going to get ScoMo to help me. And how am I going to do that? Through this, Because the wealthy, what they do, the wealthy don't pay the same tax that the struggling investors do. This is the one stupidest thing that people do is they pay too much tax. And one thing people don't realize is people think you need to lose money to pay tax, to save tax, right? And what they do is they, you know, spend more money and go, oh, I'm getting a tax deduction. Wealthy people don't do that. The wealthy investors, they lose it on paper. Mm. So imagine if you could write on the paper and say, ScoMo, can you please help me dig this hole? And you don't have to do anything, cost you nothing, and he's going to do it for you. So where the average investor is out there going, I want to pay up my home, they're digging the thing on their own. I'm writing little papers and getting other people, to do my tax dollars to do it. Each time you buy a property, if you do it right, it's going to give you $80,000 worth of tax deductions. Yeah, that's massive. So that's just on one property? One property. So 10 properties, you're getting $800,000. Just now, on the tax component? Just on the tax deduction. Wow. Not even counting the rent? Nothing, nothing. Capital growth. Just the tax deductions, right? One of our members, in the last year and a half, he's got $400,000 worth of tax deductions. Mm. Now, imagine that. So if you get these tax deductions... You've already paid off your home. Wow. There's 800 grand. Then on top of that, you've got the tenant digging on the side. (laughs) (laughs) Then you've got the bank doing their bit and capital growth to the next bit. Now suddenly, the struggling investor, he's trying to dig one hole. I've got the Grand Canyon behind me and I've been sitting on my couch watching TV. Mm -hmm. So seriously, people have to be really... Think about this very carefully, what's happening, and people really need to get their head around it. But you cannot do it yourself. And repeat after me, you cannot save yourself to wealth. You can only invest yourself there. You know, thinking that you have to work harder is just dumb. Thinking thinking you have to work smarter is smart. That's why it's called work smarter. Well, the way I see it, the game is rigged. So there's no point in trying to do it the hard way and the slow way and pay off the mortgage. Forget yeah, but, but this is the problem. This is the problem, right? Most people, right, 
what they've taught you in school, what they taught you in society, they haven't, they don't know anything. They don't know what is true. So the number one thing holding most people back is what they know. You know what the number two thing is? What they don't know. That's right. And that's the two areas that I need to help people in. One, get your mind clean. Don't get rid of these, you know, porn obsession of paying off your house mm-hmm. and think smarter because breaking your back and doing the hard way is not the way to do it. Now, last year, I made a million dollars out of property sitting on my ass, <laughs> right? And that's because I'm working smarter, not harder. And look, you guys can do it too. The fact of it is, this is the fact. If Start you got on your ass, guys. <laughs> I'm saying, hey, what's up? <laughs> yeah, cool, mate. Listen, the fact of it is, if you had $100,000 cash today and you invested it the right way in property, you could get yourself 100000 every year for the rest of your life in 20 years' time. Wow. Wow. Mind blown? Yeah, absolutely. Now, you're probably saying 20 times a long time, oh, my God. But hello, imagine if you had a time machine, you went back to yourself right now and said, wow, please invest 100 grand in your future self would say, please do it, wouldn't they? Because the one thing I can say, if I had a time machine, I went back in time, I would say to my past self saying, George, thank you so much for investing because you've made my life amazing. You know, so, you know, you're your present self at the moment, everyone watching this now. And, you know, try to do something your future self thank you for because it's worth it. Your future is going to come quicker than you think. Now, we've got some other questions if you want to start reading questions. Yeah, absolutely. We've got a few that have come through here. So, Channel 7 said the other day, interest rates are going up 10% next year and in 2023. Brisbane will drop 8%. So, they said that if you're thinking about selling, sell now. And if you're thinking about buying, hold off till 2023. The media are idiots scaring people. That is hilarious. This is so funny. <laughs> Look. Because I've been invested for 20, because I've been invested for twenty five years, I've seen this over and over and over and over again. And you this know, is the sad part. A, a really funny way of fear mongering to try and slow down the property boom. But you know what? The sad part is there's going to be people that listen to Channel Seven, right? And you know what they're going to do? They're going to sell their house. They're going to believe all this BS. And they're going to end up poor because if you sold your house now and waited till 2023, you won't be able to buy a house. No. Because you'll miss out. Yeah. What do you think about the saying that interest rates are going to go up to 10%? That is just ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Look, <laughs> interest rates, someone said, hi, George. Hi, yeah, how are you? Yeah. Wow. Interest rates can, the, the interest rates can go up right? But not that quickly anymore. But does 10% interest rate scare me? No. I used to invest at 9%. And those properties I had at 9%, they've made me millions. So I've already done it. So I'm not scared of that. I know people that have invested at 22%, 26% and still made money. So it's not interest rates are not really important. You know what's important? Are you making money on your property? Yeah. Right. Have I invested? Bottom line, you know, if you've done the numbers and you've got a cash flow calculator on that property, put in the higher interest rate, 
let the numbers do the talking. Yeah. So do you want to hear about the RBA? Yes. Yes, please. Okay. You know what the RBA, you know what the RBA did last week? You know what the RBA did last week? And George, what does RBA stand for? The Reserve Bank of Australia. Okay. Great. So guess what they did last week? What did they do? They went, they pressed the button and printed $4 billion Australian. Wow. Guess what they did the week before that? What? Pressed the same button and did it again. Guess what they did the week before that? The same thing? Yep. And the week before that. And before that. And before that. They've been doing it non-stop. They've been addicted like one of those monkeys on those keyboards. They've been pressing <laughs> the button every week. That's one of those little drinky birds. That's got the RBA the have been, they've got this little drinky bird on their computer and every week they're printing $4 billion and then they're, what they're doing is they're hiding it by buying bonds so people won't know they're doing it. So they're actually hiding their activity. They're not publishing it because they want to keep quiet. So pre-COVID, we had a debt of 200, the RBA had $200 billion outstanding. Now they've gone up to $600 billion, So they've printed $400 billion. Wow. Show me the money. Yeah, Guess baby. where that money's gone? Guess where that money's Woo-hoo. gone? Where? It's gone into the economy. Okay, that's a pretty good place to put it. I know, but guess what's happening with the money in the economy? It's shrinking your savings. If you've got money in the bank, it makes it worth less money. Supply and demand, very simple. Yeah. A big shout out to Kathy. Hi, Kathy. <laughs> Hi, Thanks Kathy. For joining, Thanks us. For joining us. We love Kathy. Kathy's in Melbourne. Absolutely. For those of you who don't know, Kathy's one of our beautiful members on our Black Belt Investor Program. And Kathy's awesome. And actually, Kathy was there when interest rates were in the, in the 18s, 20s when she was younger, which is a very young thing. There you go. Still young. Still young. <laughs> okay. So the RBA, what they're doing is printing money and printing it and printing it and printing it and printing it. But they're not the only ones. Jeez, I need to get hold of their printing press. I know. So you know what's happening? Every central bank in the world have got their trigger thing on the printing press and printing ship ship tons of money everywhere. Mm. The whole world is getting awash with money and finance. Right. So what does that mean? Means okay. money in the bank is shrinking. Yes, but it also means that that's going to push property prices up. So things that are scarce are going to go up. Recently, um, Einstein's manuscript, he, um, he wrote um, all his um, quantitative easing, yes. Um, basically, uh, what, what Einstein had his um, workings out, his calculations on a piece of paper. In Europe, it's sold by Christie's auction for $18 million. I know, pretty cool. <laughs> so we've got another question if you want to go through it. Yeah, sure. Hi, George. I have a question. Last week you mentioned about a member who has been with you for five years and has three properties. You said he's now able to reduce his work and he's making 20K per property. Can you please explain more and how he got to 20K? Also, I do, and then I can't see the rest of it. Okay. I do not understand something. (laughs) Um, um, You've got to look at the side question, please. On the side in the questions, read it there. Uh, also, hang on one second, bear with me. Can you please explain more about how he gets 20K 
as I don't understand how this works, if he's paying the mortgage rates, etc., would have thought it would be probably cash flow positive of maybe $100 per week. Yeah, good Great question. question. Yeah. yeah, good question. Look, um, what he did, he sold some shares when he started with us to use as deposit. He's been with us for nearly five years and he's making around $50,000 from three properties put together. And what we've done is we've put the money from the shares in the most expensive offset account. So that way he's making the most return. And that's the way he's working at the moment. Um, I've actually got a case study on him. I'll be posting that on our YouTube and you can actually look at the whole case study. We've done the cold case study. But um, yeah, he's actually working part-time now. Cool. And he's loving it. He's actually looking at buying his next property. Awesome. So he wants to buy property number four now. He's 75. It's going to be challenging, but I think we can still do it. We've done it once before. Yeah, nice. Very inspiring. Hmm. Fantastic. 1980s interest rates were 18.5%. All I can say, invest, invest, invest. Yep. For your early retirement or children's future. Absolutely. So listen to this. My parents bought their house and were paying around 18.5%. Wow. They paid 35000 Now it's worth probably about six fifty. Yeah, nice. So if the 18.5 didn't wreck their investment, still worth a lot of money. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, so, property prices okay. keep going up regardless. We spoke, so we spoke about should I invest or pay off debt, and we spoke about what the hell the RBA is doing. Now, what I want to talk about is what Australia is doing at the moment with the vaccine and everything else like that. Okay, this is a pretty hot topic. Yeah, so I'm going to try to stay away from the vaccine topic. <laughs> we'll table that. <laughs> um, but it's interesting that the FDA have just recently decided they're not going to release the data on the vaccines for 55 years. But Very forget that. Time. Let's talk about what's happening in Australia. Australia opening their borders. Yes, we opened And we've got... No, no, no. No, no. International. Adelaide, international. International. Oh, when are we opening uh, international? They're very soon. They're working on it at the moment. They're opening up the international borders and they're looking... They've opened the border to over 200,000 people. Wow. Now, this is what I want to talk about, right? So 200,000 visa holders are going to be coming to Australia. So overseas migration. Yes. We've got a massive shortage of, of people. houses. No, 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 of people. People. We don't, we, yes, we don't have enough skilled labour. We're really – I was talking to a, a friend of mine who's in AI, and for every – 10 jobs posted, they got one applicant. Wow, that's crazy. Need, we just need to get more people in for so many industries, right? So what's going to happen, guys? These 200,000 people, right, are going to come in and they're going to accelerate economic recovery, right? So you think our economic recovery is recovered now. The next 200,000 people is going to just make cafes, restaurants, housing, Uber, everything better. You've got 200,000 people spending money. And these people have to live somewhere. Now, they're going to start renting first. Mm -hmm. 
But then, and a few of these people are students, and the students are going to go back in the city, and a lot of people in city apartments are going to go, oh, thank God, because they've been <laughs> in for so long, right? Yeah. But they're going to rent for at first, and then they're going to start buying, because migrants normally like to buy property. They're very big on home ownership. Yeah. It's one of those things. So what's happening is that's going to put even more pressure on property prices on top of that, right? Because they normally, you know, rent for the first few years. But this surge of demand will place extra burden on our limited housing supply. Big time. Well, there's already a supply problem. Well, there's going to be a 200,000 people worse supply problem in a couple next year. That's what I'm saying. There's a shortage of houses. Look, I'm saying that if you think property is expensive now, you're going to, your future self will kick you and go, you idiot, they're so cheap. And I know because I've been here before. I've been through many booms. I've seen it. And I've looked and think, God, it's expensive, but it's really cheap mm. at the moment. So cheap. And these 200,000 people are going to really push it up. It's going to go to the next level. We'll go to the next question. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you think rental income will increase at the same rate interest rates will so investors won't have to worry about covering the interest uplift? Look, the, the whole thing with interest rates is an interesting thing because a lot of people are worried about interest rates, and I get that. Mm. And, yes, the, it's a natural part of the economy. It's a supply and demand of the economy. And what happens is if costs go up for the landlord, it gets passed on to the tenant. Always does. Yeah. yeah. Because otherwise people will have nowhere to live. So it just that's just the way it works. You know, in a, com in a capitalist society, it's almost a communist. <laughs> that's because I was thinking about Dan Andrew in Melbourne. No, in a capitalist society. Let's not um, go there. <laughs> it's market forces. And what happens is interest rates go up, rents go up. The deal is it doesn't work that way anymore. So someone's going to ask about fixing rates. Is fixing interest rates for two to three years is a good option to save some money well? Question Look, mark. I did the research over the last 30 years. And when you compare fixed rate to variable, nine times out of ten, variable is cheaper long term. Me personally... Being a pure capitalist, I go variable and just go of the wind. Mm. Because every time people fix, I've seen them lose money over and over again. Every single person that I've seen fix. Because we've had a lot of members over the years, over the last five, six, ten years, fix the interest rate. And every, every person that's fixed the interest rate in the last ten years has lost money. 100% of them. They may have saved a bit of money for the first three months or something, but long term they lost money. Also... We don't know if we're going to go to negative interest rates. Let's see what happens. What The good thing is we can look at... You really at, think that's likely, though? So we're at 1% at the no, moment. No, 0.1, 0.1%. 0.1? Yeah. Look, is it likely? Don't know. But what I do normally... Never say never. I keep my eyes on... I keep my eyes on America and UK and Europe. Mm. See what they do? Because normally we actually follow and copy. So luckily we've got a bit of time to see what happens. So every everything that, that every, like for example, you know, America started printing money. When I saw America print money, I knew Australia was going to jump on the bandwagon. And they did. 
So we've got a, a couple of weeks or months of seeing the future of what we're going to do almost. Like having a crystal ball. Yeah, it's amazing. But that's what I do. So I, like, I look at the world events and see what's happening and then compare it to what we're doing and then have a bit of an educated guess. Because I've been doing this for such a long time, for me, I, I understand what affects things, you know what I mean? Because a lot of people were scared when, when China stopped getting, you know, a bit of iron ore from us and stuff like that. And like I said, there's so much demand that other countries will take it up. And Saudi Arabia started taking up all our iron ore instead. And they said, we'll take it. And now trying to buy even more stuff from us than what they were before the whole thing. So we're, we're, we're in a very lucky position in Australia. We're very fortunate. It's fantastic. We are, absolutely, and we've got a very high percentage of ownership when it comes to properties too. Yeah, people saying, where do you think those 200,000 migrants will settle? Um, Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane? <laughs> Not Adelaide. <laughs> Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane normally. There's going to be a spread, but Melbourne and Sydney are normally the hot spots and a bit of Brisbane as well. How do you think uh, with Melbourne obviously being known as the state of corona, will affect their overseas migration? Well, look, the, the, in Australia, they know the state of corona. But not overseas. Because... <laughs> They've kept it under wraps. <laughs> this is the funny thing, right? This is the really weird thing. I'm looking on Facebook today, and front of the newspaper is, one person got corona in Northern Territory. Right? Now... Did they There's put everyone million, in lockdown because of that country, Most countries have got like a million people. I can't believe that one person getting corona made the news. Like, that's ridiculous. They've got nothing else to talk about. Like, it's, it's just yeah. crazy. It doesn't make sense. So what are the millennials doing? Okay, yes, I'm curious as to what you've got to say on this one. Okay, Brisbane Times. This is from the Brisbane Times. The millennial mm -hmm. migration. Queensland records highest interstate arrivals as people leave New South Wales and Victoria. But the millennials are moving to Queensland, but wait till the borders open. They're moving now before the borders have opened. When they're open, it's going to be even worse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so it should be interesting. And I was looking at an um, interesting thing from Macro Business. Uh, macro Business is, um, they do a lot of stats, and I look, that's one of those areas that I get my stats from if people know www.macrobusiness.com.au. Anyway, and what they've been doing, they did a graph comparing Brisbane house prices versus Melbourne and Sydney, right? And as a comparison, Brisbane house prices compared to Melbourne and Sydney are the lowest they've ever been in history. So undervalued at the moment, essentially. Totally undervalued. Like, so seriously. they're all going to catch up to the same price. Sydney well, Melbourne. you know what I predict anyway, you know, because at the moment you've got Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Perth, Adelaide, and I predict it's going to be Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne, Perth, Hobart, Adelaide. No, I'm joking about that Hobart part. <laughs> Adelaide's still there. Tasmania is going to beat us. That's depressing. Yep. Do you want to go for the other questions, please? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm just got to thank you. Thanks for taking my question. You are so welcome. Thank you for joining us tonight. Absolutely. I love people asking questions. It's excellent. <laughs> 
So we're going back to now talking about how you don't like to fix interest rates. Is that because when you fix the variable rate drops? Yes. Yes, That's right. That's exactly right. Because they they work it out and they're always ahead of the game. They know if it's going to drop. And they're going to want you to do the option that makes the bank more money, obviously. That's right. That's what they're going to do. Slimy banks. Greece is in full lockdown like Melbourne was, only allowed out for food and doctors. Wow, that's surprising. Such, such a liberal country. Yeah. Okay. What are your views on a split home loan, i.e. half variable, half fixed? Yeah, look, not too bad. I'm really, I'm but lazy. Said- <laughs> I'm lazy. So what I do is I just do variable on everything and I'm done like you know but I think look I don't know if I want to micromanage my loans that much really mm-hmm. I was wondering a loan that's going to work for me and keep going I'm really um I want to look at the big picture so it doesn't really bother me it's okay to do that and a lot of people do split home loan I prefer just getting variable full variable at the moment and look sooner or later there's going to be one point 10% of the time it's better to get fixed so 10% of the time, what I'm saying, I'm going to be wrong. But because I'm right 90% of the time, I'm happy with those odds. Imagine if you were gambling mm. and you got 90% chance of winning. It's pretty good. What, what would you do? Stick to that. Would you try to gamble that 10%, even half your money? Why bother? Mm. So for the last 30 or 40 years, 90% of the time, you're better off a variable. So the way I see it, if you're a gambling man, if you want to spread your bets... Don't spread your bet. Just put 90% down, 90%, and you're, you're set. Cool. Easy. I'm going to grab another glass of wine, and you can read this. On to the wine tonight, George. When you get back, I'll have to ask what you're drinking. How many properties did you buy in your own name until you started putting them into a trust? I understand that losses are trapped in trust, so I can't use it to reduce your taxable income. I'd say this is probably one of the most popular questions we always get asked, should I buy in a trust? And what we're going to do is we're actually going to get an expert on to cover this whole topic because it actually needs its whole own night in itself because there's so many nuances. It's not a black and white question. It all comes down to what your goals are and who you are personally, whether you're a business owner, whether you're an employee, of yes. what you need to do. Look, um, it, on, on this program we're using, it doesn't say your name. If you want to type in your name after your question, it'd be great because then I can answer you personally, which is awesome because all it says to me is Facebook user. But um, the last person asked that question, excellent question, really clever, and yes, losses are trapped in trusts, which really sucks. However, there's hybrid trusts you can have where you can actually untrap your trusts, but it depending on where you're at. So... The reason you start putting properties in trust is to start protecting yourself when you become vulnerable to lawsuits. So what you need to do really is, one, work out if you're in a high-risk environment or not and who you are and what you are. So it's not – you know, everyone talks about asset protection, but it's not for everyone. Mm. But some people, you know, if you're a business owner, celebrity, or someone that's, you know um, – got a big audience like myself, you need to protect yourself. So I protect myself. I, I've, I've got everything in trust and I've got everything tied up 
and even things of my own name I don't own anymore because it's a complicated structure that I've used. But you know, if you're a um, a policeman or um, a teacher, then you don't need any trust. No one's going to sue you. No one's going to sue a teacher, probably. Mm. But um, I started buying properties in trust early on because of asset protection. Way too early, but I started really early. Like, I reckon I bought a property. My second property was in trust. Okay. But what happened was because I had a company, I had a way of unlocking those losses where a lot of people can't. So if you're an employee, it's very hard to take those losses out. But if you're a business owner, there's lots of different ways you can do it. And that's part of the advantage of being a business owner because you're sort of half outside the system. Okay. Hi, guys. If you never pay down your investment loans and your 10 years depreciation has ended, how exactly are you receiving unusable passive income? Are you relying on a huge increase in rent and interest rates to remain low? No. I'm not requiring, requiring any of that because it doesn't matter. All I'm doing is I'm, I'm waiting for properties to double every 7, 10, or 12 years. Right? So it may happen at 7 years, may happen 10 years, may happen in 12 years. And what happens is you average out of a property around 5%. So if you had $500,000, should I draw this? Yeah, absolutely. Bring it on. If you can um, share your iPad and give us some visuals, because I'm a very visual learner. Yeah. This is numbers involved. I'd like to have see. We the time? Have we got the time, Christina? Uh, we've got about 10 minutes or so. So, yeah, I think we do. Okay, I'm going to open up my notebook. Depends how quickly we can get it all connected up, though. Okay, so, let, all right, can you let me just share my screen? I forgot about that. That, that might, might be a good first step. <laughs> yeah, totally. Okay. <laughs> nice, yep. Okay. How's this? That's brilliant. Let's see both of us and the screen. <laughs> okay, so. Let's say you buy a house for $500,000, right? And on our program, that's going to probably be positive, make you money from day one. So it's going to cost you nothing. And we're going to get $80,000 in tax deductions from this property. How cool is that? And we're going to get probably about $500 a week rent. And our... Mortgage is going to cost less than $500 a week. Let's say properties double every 7, 10 to 12 years. I'm going to say 10 for this one. Yep. In 10 years, this property is worth $1 million. Oh, we can't see that, George. Okay, let's move it here. This property is worth $1 million. <laughs> Now, we've got this loan here for 500000 which we can't touch because we don't own that. This is the banks. But the equity in the property, who owns that? We do. How much equity is there? 500000 500, Um, On a $500,000 property, how much rent do you get? 25000 So we're just making 5%. Oh, you can't see that. $25,000. we are just making 5% of the equity. 
That's it. So it makes a lot of sense if you look at it that way. Cool. That's what we're looking at. And if interest rates go up, we're going to get slightly more rent. It's going to balance out. This this numbers work in general. It may be slightly different. Um, put it this way. At the moment, let me just stop sharing. At the moment, I mean, you know, we, I talk about properties double every seven, 10 or 12 years. I think a lot of our clients are going to double their money in five mm. because we're buying the top 100. You know, I know clients from three years ago, their properties they were buying for 400 are now selling for 700, which is like crazy when you think about it. Yeah, that's awesome. Look, buying the top 100 is really smart if you want to get ahead, <laughs> definitely, because you're outperforming the rest of the market. Yes, that's the deal. Even, you know, if you buy a property in a capital city and you just put a blindfold on, you're still going to double in 10 or 12 years anyway. But if you buy the top 100, you're going to beat the market. And normally, we outperform the market by 20%. 20% is a lot of money. Well, the returns we've been seeing lately for our members have just been amazing. Yeah. So um, these are the returns we're getting for our members at the moment. And a lot of people might think, wow, like, how is this real? But... Uh, we've got people making 300, 400, 500% return, right? You know, unbelievable. Like a lot of people talk about, you know, 5% is good. I'm talking cash on cash return, by the way. That's what I'm talking about because that's the real return. Anything else is just a fairy number. It's not a real number, but it needs to be cash on cash. How much cash do you put in? How much do you get out? That's yeah. the real return. A lot of people have all this... Um, fake metrics and think they're getting a big return, but they're making it all up, mm. especially when it comes to the stock market. But really, it's cash on cash. Yeah, cool. All right, excellent. Fantastic. That pretty much wraps us up for tonight, which is great. Thank you, George and Christina. Really enjoyed tonight's session. Very grateful for the education. You're so welcome. We love having you here and we love you know sharing your knowledge. We love it. We love it. Um, I, I really, um, one thing that I really love is our community and people like Kathy who stand out, amazing members of our community. Lots of love there. I've actually promised Kathy when we go to Melbourne, we're having dinner. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just can't wait to go, to go to Melbourne. And we've got our bestie coming down. To Adelaide this weekend. We've got Blinder coming down. Yes. Exciting, guys. And um, yeah, so look, I'm very grateful for everyone. Thank you so much for watching. We um, have to go to our SHERP and do training with our members now. We've got our private session that we're doing now with our beautiful members who are a part of our Black Belt Investor community. So we're going to head on over and do that private training very soon. But what have we talked about tonight, George? So we've gone over the, the RBA, yes. what's happening with them. So what we talked about is should I invest in property or power of debt? And clearly, if you can afford to invest in property, that's what you should be doing first. We talked about what the whole the RBA is doing and they keep pushing that little button, the little bird, and printing $4 billion. They've done it this week. They're going to do it next week. They're going to do it the week after. And the week we after. We talked about good debt versus bad debt. And what it really means to be paying off your, your good debt versus bad debt when it comes to investing. Yes, yes. We talked about what the millennials are doing. 
So it sounds like they're just all moving to Brisbane. <laughs> That's what they're doing. But it's going to, it's going to, um, the borders haven't even opened yet. They're still doing it. Like, what's going to happen when they open? We also spoke about the migrant crisis. I mean, we need migrants, but there's going to be a housing shortage. We're really short of houses in Australia, desperately. I mean, even without these migrants, look at us. We're struggling to buy property. What's going to happen when we let two extra 200,000 people rock up on our shores? Yeah, yeah. But not only that, we've approved 200,000 people. But once borders open, there's going to be a lot more people coming to the richest country in the world, guys. We used to be second. Now we're the richest in the world. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Hey, look, we should be proud of we got We live in an awesome country. And we've got a really big middle class. Every single person in Australia has got an opportunity to, to actually move up. You know, I really believe that Australia is a met meritocracy, mm. right? And I love a meritocracy. And if people don't know what a meritocracy is, it's you move up based on merit. If you're willing to work harder and work smarter and do what unsuccessful people aren't willing to do, you'll get rewarded in Australia. It's not yeah. like North Korea yeah. where even if you work hard, you're still going to get punished. We're very fortunate. It's awesome. And I feel very grateful to live in such a beautiful country and to live in a meritocracy oh it's awesome we've all got so much opportunity here it's fantastic oh, yes absolutely and look we better get to our group we're gonna go guys remember every thursday night That's forever right. we're gonna be doing this right so just join us look forward to it thank you so much for joining us talk to you soon thanks guys have a good night bye-bye thank you for listening i'm grateful for all our listeners around the world if you found this podcast valuable, please share with someone that might find this useful and please join our tribe of purpose-driven investors, increasing income and impact in our Facebook group, Positive Property. Please note, with a multi-million dollar property portfolio and a passive income, I've become incredibly successful at investing in property. The fact of it is, however, many people may find investing in property challenging. It's not easy and it takes a lot of hard work. However, becoming educated to make an informed decision and having the right advisors gives you the tools you need to succeed. The most important part of this formula, however, is to actually take action and apply that knowledge. It is important to understand that information I share is of a general nature only and is not taking into account your unique circumstances. If you're considering investing in any asset class, you need to seek the advice of an independent professional advisor who will be able to look at your specific situation. Be sure your advisors actually achieve the kind of results you're seeking. Many won't have, so beware. We've taken great care putting those educational resources together. We'd be surprised if you didn't find any errors or omissions. If you do, our legal team says we have to say we're not responsible for those. In fact, as with all things, even your success, we're not responsible. That responsibility always has and always will come down to you and the actions you take. We're passionate about supporting you in that process and helping you increase your ability to create wealth, live the life you desire, provide all the things you dream of for you and your family.